Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minutes hosts talk about one of the greatest packaged dessert movies, the 1998 John McTiernan-directed movie, Die Hard. I'm Mike Perlucci of Return to Oz Minute. I'm Tierney Steele of Return to Oz Minute and the NeverEnding Minute. I'm Brad Mendenhall from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. I'm Jarf Harden, also of the Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. What minute are we going to talk about today, Jarf? And today we're going to talk about Minute 74 of Die Hard. Ooh. Good minute, good minute. Very excited to be uh, with you guys for this for this minute and tomorrow's minute. Ah, uh, they they just they go together. That's what I was looking for when I asked you to guess. I was like, I can't just have you do one of these minutes. That's too cruel. <laughs> you need the full experience. Well, what's great and what I'm so excited about is uh, Die Hard has a lot of great. Um, supporting players and a lot of great bad guys not just the excellent alan rickman uh but just some other uh other actors who really pop out at you and we get to see them in this and it's like <laughs> oh i'm so excited to talk about this I, i've been my whole life's been building up to more al leong speak uh al leong talk <laughs> i am ready all right um, for those who are keeping track at home minute 74 starts with blinding headlights approaching and it ends with our boy Bruce watching from above as the air quotes RV approaches. Can we just call it an RV? Is that okay? I called it an, I, I, an RV in all my notes. So excellent. absolutely. We're, we're all together now. I have some notes about it that I found online. But yeah, it starts with it approaching and we get a little action scene right off the bat. Oh, very exciting stuff. We get the, the, those poor SWAT guys getting shot by someone who looks way too much like Huey Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I legit thought it was Huey Lewis when I saw it as a kid. Right? Oh, right? Man. Oh. Well, I'm going to point out just because the minute kind of gets bookended when – is it Uli? Is that how you say his name? <laughs> I Was it Al Young? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh. When he shoots, the first thing you hear when the SWAT guys yell is Jesus Christ. And we're going to get that at the end of this minute, too. So this is a very religious experience going on here today. Um, well, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's all tied together. They're keeping the Jesus Christ in their Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, that's PG. I'm not in trouble yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little bit worried I'm gonna be in trouble at some point in recording, but I'm trying to keep it good. Uh, my first thing was if they weren't getting shot at, wouldn't the shattering glass be really great for the SWAT team? <laughs> she thinks so. Walk me through your thought process. Pr- thought process on that. So they're trying to get into the building. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to break into the building they could just walk through where the glass has been shattered and now there's just an empty door frame the only problem being the guys that shattered the glass are still shooting at them i i completely see your point because they are (laughs) desperately trying to cut through with some kind of industrial cutter and then the thieves say well here we'll just do you a favor and just shoot out that glass I'm just going to impress. So do you think they were trying to help him the whole time and things just went wrong? I 
I think he was just trying to do that impressive role and didn't think any further past that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh, I I, I just... What's funny is with with this scene and with uh, them getting shot up and the SWAT team, and, and what really struck me just watching this, the first thing... Normally, when you see a movie like this, when there's the sort of nameless cops who are easily dispatched by, they're easily dispatched by the bad guys, and they're wildly incompetent sort of keystone cops, actually, in this minute, sort of exemplifies this. They don't seem that incompetent. The, the, the actual SWAT guys are sort of treated with a certain amount of respect. Obviously, you, you have to go up to like the up the top tier, like the the guys in charge, to really see the incompetence. But I was like, oh, these guys are pretty good. But they're just still going to get shot a lot. Yeah. And I think two of them do get named. So when uh, the captain is listening in frustration to their screams, he asked for a report from Weavers and Rodriguez. And I was just trying to be so good about keeping track of names because I didn't see this movie till I was a grown up. But I still did the Star Wars minute thing of I just kind of assigned my own names for everyone. Except like. John McClane and Hans Gruber. <laughs> so now that I'm doing this podcast, I'm so like, don't refer to him as ponytail guy. Don't refer to him as ponytail guy. He has a name. It is James. So anytime a name gets mentioned, I like wrote it down when I was taking notes. And let me guess, Elyong was Snicker stealing guy, right? Sometimes people are the only representation of their ethnicity <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> And that's not my fault. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, this is I big get where scene. you're going. That was a great minute. That was a great minute. Oh, man. Uh, this is a great minute, too, though. So um, this is when we get our SWAT van, which is what its Wikia article is named. <laughs> and this is where Theo, that's Clarence Gilliard, has that great line, the police have themselves an RV. Yeah, they do. Uh, so, how's everyone feel about this? <laughs> well, first off, I, I I have young kids. They're very excited about trucks and vans and buses. And a, a machinery like this is very exciting. If this shows up on the TV, they would just be glued to, to, to the television. Um, and uh, I've... I think I'm a little bit dead inside and I've lost my sense of wonder. So, but I got to ask you guys, when you see this coming down the street, and it's obviously set up as a majestic moment, but I don't feel anything. It's like, oh, man, things are getting serious now. I just see that coming down the street. It's like, well, that's going to get blown up. And I believe, and it's so hard because, you know, it's been a long time since I saw this movie the first time. Uh, uh, Unlike Tyranny, I saw this as... A child probably way too young to see the movie, <laughs> and I I th- I, I want to say like going back, I was never impressed by that coming down the street, and I don't know if that's intentional. Like they have all the big mu- music and everything, but you just know because of how competent uh, Han- Gruber's guys are, you know that's just going to get blown up. Uh, but but how do you guys feel? Uh, you know, are you guys with me where you see it and you're just like, well, that's just fodder for or something that's going to get blown up real good. Or do you think, wow, this is going to be an impressive firefight? Well, for me, it is more about it's setting up this race between the thieves and the RV. And so it's not about being excited about the RV itself. But you see halfway through 
our minute that they'll show the RV driving towards the tower and then cut to the thieves scrambling to get the rocket launcher together and get it onto the elevator and, and get it down into position. And you have John McClane kind of caught in between the two of them because he's the guy that understands that what the police are doing is not the smart move. So it, it I what really as I looked at this minute more closely, jumped out, and you see it play out a lot more in the next minute, is the way they edit it, mm. it has you a little bit inside rooting for the thieves to make it there in time to stop the RV. Because that's the tension, because the, the, the RV is just sort of driving at a medium pace. Mm-hmm. The guys are all panicked, and... We all know that feeling of, oh, crap, I'm not going to make it in time. I'm not going to make it in time. So, yeah, you do get pulled in weirdly. And then you get pulled out of it a little bit later where they are blowing up good guys. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it, it, it's funny how it can, like, the music and the editing can sweep you up that way. And I started to think, well, if you look at Die Hard from the perspective of the thieves, it's like a heist movie. And they're trying to pull off this great heist and and – I started to see, wow, it has a lot of the tropes of the heist movie of this this colorful band of thieves and everyone's got their different <laughs> specialties. And so, But again, that really plays out in the next minute. Well, in a lot of ways, what's the difference between this and uh, the Ben Affleck movie, The Town? In that movie, uh, they're also shooting at cops. I, I and... think there's a lot of differences between Die Hard and The Town. Maybe but I am biased. <laughs> But no, but in this scene in particular where you're, these are the bad guys and they're trying to set up and sh- to shoot at cops and a lot of scenes in the town. And I like the town very much, but there is this, but really these, heist, like Jarf is saying, it is a heist movie at this at this particular minute, except for it's a heist movie where instead of shooting at cops, they're actually shooting the cops. I think what does it for me with this RV is it enters on its hero shot. He says... You know what have we here, or uh, yeah, what we have, what have we here, gentlemen? And then you just get it coming up over the rise, the headlights in your eyes, and it's like, oh, that's what we're doing. And I am still impressed by it, but I am also a child of the '80s, so I was born in '84, and now that I'm thinking about the editing and looking down at the rv from above i'm realizing what it's reminding me of is the opening credits to the teenage mutant ninja turtles cartoon i think when like the van is going back and forth on the road (laughs) um didn't think i'd be making that comparison today so i still i still buy it as impressive i i don't know i guess i also wonder if part of it is i mean huh i already got religious let's get political too how jaded are we doing this podcast in 2017 compared to in 1988? Like, would this be a more impressive tank 30 years ago? Mm. Like, yeah, quite possibly. We've seen so many disaster movies. We've seen The Town. We've seen superheroes throwing cars from the... Well, actually, the superheroes don't throw the cars. But you know what I mean? Like, the villains do. Um, I guess one... And this is essentially a tank. Um... I know wikias are not like the most authoritative of sources, but there's a diehard wikia, which really saved my butt researching for this podcast. And according to them, 
The vehicle shown is a 1943 Ford M8 Greyhound light armored vehicle with its turret removed and large enough to break through the entrance of a building. That's impressive well, to me. <laughs> it, it is, but I get what you're saying. We're in a world where there have been eight Fast and Furious movies <laughs> where because of and you, you, you think of I guess it was the fifth one where they basically spent the last 30 minutes of a movie with two cars dragging a vault around a city just destroying everything so then you know compare it to 1980 some where you have an RV slowly going up steps uh, next minute next minute save it <laughs> but I know what you mean I know what you mean <laughs> Brad it's funny that you call out the the property destruction in Fast and the Furious and and here because I saw Die Hard with my mom as a kid when it came out and and I loved it and I remembered after the movie asking her like mom what did you think and she just she could not accept the amount of property destruction that took place in the movie she's just like I, the, the, so many things were blown up and just it was so wasteful and so, how, and so how's she fun. doing has she been to the movies in the past <laughs> <laughs> she volunteers at the library she keeps it kind of quiet so but uh, i don't and what's funny is I know we're not mostly talking about Fast and the Furious, but that scene in Fast and the Furious really bothered me because it it, it they seemed not to care that that vault was whipping around and crushing other people's cars. And I'm like, it looks like you're probably killing people in the course of this race. Yes, innocent. Not just the bad guys chasing you. You're killing half the, the population yeah, right, of that exactly. city. I don't know. Wait, Mike, does this hold up for you? We didn't let we didn't have you chime in yet on your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it's interesting because I had, you know I had seen it once, not uh, you know once as a as a kid, and it seemed it seemed kind of cool, and it has you know the three sets of wheels. Uh, seeing it seeing it afterwards, I have, I have kind of two, two. I'm of, I'm of two minds. Uh, a little bit on the the vehicle, like it just it's not. I think you're you're. You're right, Tierney. It's not quite as impressive because it makes me think. Uh, I wish this were Christopher Nolan's Batman Tumbler tank. Yeah. It's like this. Yeah, it's that's the what world it would of be. the Batmobile. Yeah, but it's 1988. This is not John McTiernan's fault. <laughs> oh no, no. Look, that's that's just the way the way the way the movies have changed. Yeah. Uh, but the approach is, you know, we we get this this great shot of. Uh, of the RV as as it's coming, and you 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 you're cutting back to the bad guys. You're cutting back to the good guys, and it's the um, you know it's it's like they're they're Olympic torch runner. Uh, <laughs> oh, like two you, towers, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm going straight to the two towers. You've got the orc, and he's got his torch, and you don't know what's going to happen, but you know that the orc can't get there, and you're not like I'm not rooting for the bad guys, but like you kind of don't. You know something is is going to go wrong if the if the RV gets there because yeah. it's just too it's just too early. The RV can't resolve everything. Well, and also this the, this goes perfectly into my next point. And feel free to like talk over me if you had more to say on that specifically. But I appreciate even as a grown up, and I cannot imagine how much more I would have appreciated it as a kid watching this movie. 
the fact that the bad guys boxes say rocket ammunition with explosive projectile on it. So you know exactly where this is all going. <laughs> and even better than that, uh, just underneath, it says reusable container do not destroy. <laughs> oh. It's like, Okay, I guess. Uh, rocket containers are probably expensive, but <laughs> if you're the kind of person that's, if you're thieves and you've stolen uh, rockets or you've purchased rockets to use, probably the first thing you you're think that goes through your mind is not, we better keep this in mint condition because we're going to need to put more rockets in. Well, yeah, well, you know, I never quite understand bad guy uh, philosophy anyway. Um, it's like you're right. It's like if you're a bad guy, you're not worried about recycling. Oh, now see, I'm you're picturing pre- hippie villains who are very big on reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> I don't know if Hans Gruber strikes me as that much of a flower child. <laughs> <laughs> see, I saw him uh, more as he's a businessman, so mm. he is running a tight operation where he's managing expenses and he's trying to get the highest profit margin for his crime. Be awesome if there was a missing spreadsheet scene that they show. <laughs> like, listen, I don't think I can. With this overhead, have you seen our overhead, Good, gentlemen? Come on. <laughs> but I don't. But you know, this is a common thing in movies. I, I whenever I see a movie where the bad guy, uh, example that comes right to my mind is uh, uh, Spider-Man Two with Doctor Octopus, where Doctor Octopus needs uh, all this equipment. To build his um, to build the big device at the end, so he has to rob banks to steal the money. And I'm thinking, it's like, why don't you just why don't you just skip stealing the money and just steal the pro- the, the the stuff for the device? Seems like you could cut out the middleman. I you think you know if uh, you're going to a reputable place to buy stuff, a, a bad guy with four mechanical arms and you know stolen bags of money, probably with dollar signs on them. <laughs> Isn't the way to go. <laughs> so, you know, perhaps I just don't have an evil enough brain, which is, is a pleasant surprise, yeah. but uh, I, I just can't see where they're going with this. You know, it's funny that that's kind of how I felt watching this for the first time of I didn't know what was happening. So the, the background is I hadn't seen this movie. I knew it existed, but I was the oldest girl in a family of all girls and Die Hard just didn't come up. And like I said, it was born in the 80s, so I didn't catch it like naturally by age. And when I was in my late 20s, a friend who had an older brother who showed her all these movies, probably younger than she should have seen them. So this is my favorite movie of all time. It is the greatest Christmas movie ever made and you have to watch it. And I was so pleasantly surprised because I thought it was just an action movie and it just like rolls over you in all its hilarious greatness. But then it also is very, it's not spoon fed to you in that like what the bad guys are doing, what these thieves are doing is incredibly complicated. But then it's things like this. You see the RV, you see rocket ammunition with explosive projectile. And then you see John McClane looking down and being like, this is all about to turn very bad. It's all telegraphed to you so that you're not lost at any point. Well, the, the pacing on this movie is so good. And also, they build up a lot of tension. It's also interesting where we only see like a couple seconds of John McClane in this minute. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot of action stuff 
that he's just watching, trying to convince people to, no, this isn't the way this is supposed to go. And you realize that, and if you rewatch this movie, it's actually surprising how how judiciously they parcel out the actual action stuff with Bruce Willis, where there's just a lot of scenes of him hiding, sneaking around, trying to get information out to people. And then when you have him firing the machine gun or whatever have you, it really pops because it, it, you don't get uh, numb to it. Yeah, the most action John McClane has in the scene is looking at an elevator ding. <laughs> and yet yeah. you're, it's, it's so tense because of the way they've built it up. And I think that they do an excellent job of positioning John McClane so you show how he's caught between these two opposing forces. <laughs> like he's looking out the window, down at the RV, and then he hears the ding, like Tony said, and that is the bad guys coming down the elevator with the rocket launcher. And then they cut back to him looking back out the window. That's, that's the end of yeah. our minute where you're seeing the RV coming up from his point of view. But it, that, that was a reminder to me of like these great themes that go throughout the movie where John McClane is just constantly squeezed tighter and tighter between the cops and the bad guys because he's the only one that has this right read on the situation and everything that the cops are doing is frustrating to him because he sees it as endangering all of the hostages in the building and then also of course at the same time he's fighting the bad guy so i loved how much of this movie was bruce willis basically Muttering, whispering, trying to will people to do what he wanted them yes. to do. <laughs> well, well here, here's what's funny, Tierney. By the time you saw this movie, I, I bet I'm betting you were pretty used to the idea of Bruce Willis being an action hero butt kicker. Am oh yeah. I right on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. When Darth I, I and I saw, saw oh, this but mo- one that can make me cry because Armageddon. So just just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna kick butt while you cry basically <laughs> right he's the human action hero yeah well because what jarf and i when we saw this movie originally it was actually ridiculous that he was an action star <laughs> yeah, what he was, was for? moonlighting oh and, and that was Sorry. a silly oh. hyperverbal uh, romantic comedy and he rarely got into fights on Moonlighting. It wasn't an action show. And usually if he did get into a fight somewhat with someone, he was going to get beat up. The biggest movie he did before this was a movie called Blind Date, where he kept trying to avoid getting punched by John Larroquette. <laughs> <laughs> so he was very believable as a funny guy. And a smarter-than-the-room, street-smart guy. But actually, him beating up people was a bit of a stretch. And not only that, but this is in the era of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. These, like, hyper-buff guys. And Bruce Willis, he's not a guy, even at the peak of him as an action hero, he wasn't a guy who looked unbelievably great with his shirt off. He's running around barefoot in sweatpants in this movie. He was 
fit, but, you know, if you saw him on the beach, you wouldn't do a double take. It's like, wow, that guy's in great shape. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't really his thing. Yeah, he name checks Arnold Schwarzenegger earlier in this movie, and it just, like, it kind of took me in this weird time warp of, like, okay, 1988. That means these two people are at these places in their careers. It's yeah, so time. it's... Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I mean, Charf, looking back, do you remember that? Like, it was weird him leading an action movie. Oh, I I absolutely remember that um, because I I watched the heck out of Moonlighting and <laughs> and and I think it's part of what makes this movie work. So I was talking to my wife today about like what her memories of Die Hard were and what whether she liked it and she also saw it as a kid and and she said that she liked it at that time because John McClane is funny and because he isn't this hyper masculine action hero but he is vulnerable and he and he gets hurt on the way to accomplishing everything so i i think that that that's part of the heart of it that's fair, too, because I'm trying to think back on the action movies I have seen. And most of them I've watched now that I'm older. Very few. Honestly, it's it's not even an action movie. It's a car movie. I think, like, Smokey and the Bandit was the most I ever saw as a little kid. Um, but, like like you said, you know, Sylvester Stallone, I've seen the first Rocky and the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. They're not funny. Sometimes they have a funny line. And sometimes you laugh at things that probably weren't meant to be funny at the time, but totally are. But they themselves weren't funny guys. Sometimes they had a good one-liner, but they and they had tons of really, really bad one-liners as well. Yeah, which now are amusing, but because I'm thinking of a bunch of things from Rocky where I'm like, oh, I laughed my way through that, and I'm like, I wasn't supposed to, though. I have a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, I just saw Predator in the theaters. And there were many times when the whole theater was laughing and it was not at jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was very pleasantly surprised when I did see this movie. And it was one of the reasons why I was so excited to participate in Die Hard Minute, even though I know there are people out there who like have this movie memorized. I've only seen it a couple times. Like, let's be honest. I saw it for the first time maybe three years ago but it just was so great to like do you know how rare it is for someone to tell you this is my favorite movie you've got to watch it and you love it like that never happens (laughs) right yeah it's it's rare when they can hold up i remember it wasn't that long ago the first time i actually watched all the way through start to finish casablanca and i didn't i didn't know if i was gonna like it because it's an it's an older movie, and will it translate? I was like, oh, no, this is fantastic. Yeah. And I thought, great... I thought Die Hard was just a straight-up action movie. I was expecting something in, like, the Schwarzenegger tradition. And so it was just like, Carl Winslow's here, and this is hilarious. This is great. <laughs> yes, that poor guy. I know. He has basically be wearing the same costume that he, you know, basically wearing the same uniform that he wears in Family Matters. It's like, oh, that's... Do you think he just has his own that he can bring to set with him by now? 
Like I think he's one of those actors. Him. I would love to have to go through his IMDb where he he just looks like a guy who plays a, a sardon a sardonic out of shape cop over and over again. Oh yeah. I rem- I remember Dennis Franz from NYPD Blue talked about how that was his 17th cop role. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I, apparently I just look like I look like I have a love of donuts and uh, this is what I should be doing over and over again. Well, have you heard the um, conspiracy theory that Carl Winslow and Al Powell are the same person. Changed his name, moved to another city. Oh, I will have to find this and share it with you. I didn't think to look it up for this minute because he isn't in this, but here we are. Um, yeah, there's something that connects all his cop characters in, in one lifetime, basically. Saying that, like, after the violence here, he changed his name, moved, you know, started over in a new city. <laughs> <laughs> in the witness protection program because of what he so I, I love that stuff there was a, <laughs> there's a great uh, bit by um, uh, Pat Oswalt uh, talking about the life of uh, Johnny from uh, Cobra Kai and he just goes through all the roles that same actor because he just spent the 80s playing douchey uh, you know, like privileged guys and he's like going through all the movies like it's the same character, and then he just so distraught that he ended up uh, becoming the gimp in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> See, and if he was he was just born too early, if he was born a decade or so later, he would be Iron Fist right now. <laughs> oh God, that's too soon. I can't talk about it. Um... I, I just want, before we wrap up, to point out that the bad guys' names in this minute are James and Alexander. That's who's bringing the rocket launcher down. Um, like I said, I was very proud of going through and identifying everyone. Because um, you don't pick up on names when you watch it. Like, it, it, the movie's just happening to you, basically. Right, right. Did anyone else, anyone else, uh, Theo... Uh, played by Clarence Gilliard Jr., the the, the tech guy, uh, who's such a great delivery. Does anybody recognize that actor? I mean, he seems really familiar, but I don't. I don't know. Like, it's one of those I've seen him before, but not not knowing from what. He basically Jarf. You're throwing the question to me. Yes, if it's... you if you recognize him. Well, I looked at his IMDb page. So it kind of feels like cheating. So I know these <laughs> okay. other things that he's in, but they're not actually things that I'm familiar with. I really well, only he... know him from Die Hard. All right, we got to give Mike a chance too. Will he break the trend? <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't look him up. I I've thought he. I might have looked him up seeing this movie earlier, but I, I feel like I know him from something else. But I I cannot place him. He basically. He basically spent the 80s and 90s being the almost competent black sidekick on TV shows. So he was the investigator for Matlock. And then in the 90s, he was Chuck Norris's partner for all 196 episodes of Walker, Texas Rangers. First off, wrap your mind around the fact there was 196 episodes of Walker, Texas Rangers. And his job in all those show in those shows was he was the guy who would get beat up and especially especially in walker texas ranger because he had to be the guy to prove 
he had to be the guy to prove that the bad guys who were going to try to beat up Walker, Texas Rangers, were tough enough to beat up his partner. So the poor guy, he, yeah, he was in 196 episodes, didn't win a fight through any of them. I wonder and if maybe, he, like, I saw promos and that's where he saw him from. I don't know. I doubt I ever watched a right whole there. episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. It, it was a terrible show. I... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you probably didn't need me to tell you that. You could just look at, <laughs> first off, just as called Walker, Texas Ranger. You know it's bad. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I know we, we talked. I already mentioned my bookends are one line from uh, Bruce Willis in this episode. Or in this episode. In this minute is two words, once again, making a nice little bookend for us of dialogue. And... That's it. I, I actually, I don't, I could, I could understand Theo, obviously, but the only other dialogue is James yelling something when they're getting onto the elevator that I cannot make out. So that's all I got. No, I think, I think we've beaten this up pretty good. Jar for Mike, you have anything else to add? No, I think that's, uh, that's just about does it. Don't, don't say beating up in front of Clarence. It makes him nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Top Gun. I, oh my God! That was coffee. Yeah. He delivers the it. coffee. Okay. I Who is he in Top Gun? I I saw that on IMDb, and I and I couldn't remember him being in that movie. Sundown. I, that has to be that has to be what I've seen because I haven't seen any of these yeah. other things. He's Sundown. I thought he's Sundown. Um, oh, okay. Um, I don't like Googling this now. Oh, you know what? He's not who I was thinking of. I got really, I got really worried because when he put Top Gun, Top Gun, Sun Down into Google, the next suggestion is racist. I was like, do I want to be Googling this? But yeah, he's another, he's another pilot in the school. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, he's the one that gets assigned, um, spoilers for Top Gun. To be, um, to be the, to replace Goose. <laughs> and then, um, when Maverick doesn't take the shot, because he freaks out, and as they're walking away from the plane, he's giving him crap, and, and Tom Cruise grabs him by the straps and, like, shakes him, and is like, it's my decision when I shoot, or whatever he says. So he's basically getting beat up. Yeah, it's not, it's not a heroic role. This poor <laughs> although, guy. Although, although... He's telling Tom Cruise, hey, stop being a jerk. That's true. So, yeah. So, so do you think he sat down with Al Leong and they just talked about how they both done 30 combined? They've done 60 years of movies and TVs and none of them, neither of them have ever won a fight. Oh, at least Al Leong looks <laughs> impressive. He, he knows martial arts. So at least he 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 puts on a display before he gets beat up. He gets a snack in this movie instead of just having to chew gum the whole time. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 who among us in that situation wouldn't just grab the candy? Like, <laughs> well, I'm one surprised last bit. actually that that Clarence didn't end up going more in a comedy direction. Like, I, I wanted to shout him out. I, I was 
glad about the representation because I liked that the black guy was the tech expert and he was, um, was the guy in the chair for the bad guys. But I think that his his rapport with Alan Rickman, none of that is in our minute, I know, but he, mm-hmm. he's the main one kind of talking to Hans. And so I could have seen him much more going into like, that direction career-wise but i guess 100 episodes of walker texas ranger that's steady money all right all right um moving away from the actor back to theo does theo become samuel l jackson's character whose name i don't remember in jurassic park if al powell can become carl winslow could those be the same person tech savvy well no he well no he is kind of he's not the tech person but when Nedry's out of the picture, he is the next most. Mr. Uh, John Raymond, John Arnold, John Raymond Ray Arnold. That's a heck of a you, name. You, yeah, I was about to say, uh, uh, sure. <laughs> it's Samuel L. Jackson. We all know that. <laughs> um, so you're saying Theo got really disillusioned after yep. the first part. And now he he's super smoking. cynical. Starts, yeah, now he's a chain smoker. <laughs> and he takes an assignment that gets him as far away from mainland, cities, anything oh. at all. He hooks up with a crazy guy in Hammond and just... I mean, InGen was doing away. some shady stuff. Maybe that's how he got hooked up with them. <laughs> I, I could imagine Hammond hiring ex-cons. Yep. It all that comes together. <laughs> I'm intrigued. That's an intriguing thought. You should get... Uh should talk to the Jurassic Park Minute guys about that. Oh, I, you know, I'm glad this is where we've ended up, but I do also want to get back to our ratcheting tension of this rocket launcher VRV, which is our next minute. Uh, I hope you guys can join us for it. As our guests mentioned, they are on Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. Mike and I are from Return to Oz Minute. You can find all our back episodes and what's currently being released at returntoozminute.com. But if you are all diehard all the time, there is the Twitter at Diehard Minute. There's a Facebook group and a listener. There's a Facebook page and a listener group. Excuse me. Uh, the podcast listeners limo is where you can join in and give your thoughts and Please help me with my crazy fanfic theories. And there's also the website diehardminute.com. And if you can't get enough of us, slash are looking for the link for Minute of Darkness, that will something you can catch up on at moviesbyminutes.com, which has all the Movies by Minutes podcasts, including the ones from the other hosts for this show. So we're going to come back tomorrow and see what will win. We all know. I mean, we already kind of said, but (laughs) sorry to completely deflate the tension in that moment. Um, uh, Anyone else have anything they want to say to say farewell or wrap up? Got another exciting episode coming. (laughs) Well, guys, we just had a lot of fun today. Uh, Looking forward to coming back tomorrow. Um, If everybody has a chance, uh, check out uh, uh to find out more of what we're up to uh, Geppetto Studios other than thanks. providing you with guests <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for having us this has been a blast excellent alright well 
have a good evening and see you tomorrow for another minute of Die Hard. That's good. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.